for a day or two, but the two of them were bound to quarrel if he was here for weeks. They always did. Oh, how she missed her husband. She still turned round sometimes, thinking she heard Charles's footsteps, half expecting him to come bounding into the room like an overgrown puppy. He'd been such a cheerful man, and he had loved her being strong and energetic. The only sadness in their marriage had been the lack of children. That seemed even worse now. If they'd had children, there would have been a legacy from Charles, a way of carrying on his life, not letting it end so completely. She didn't know whether this lack was her fault or his, but he'd never blamed her, just said more quietly than usual that you had to accept whatever fate handed you, and at least they still had each other. She put the plate of sandwiches on the table, opened a tin of peaches and one of evaporated milk, and called, "'It's ready!' Cecily appeared in the doorway to say faintly, Do you really want to eat dinner in here? Yes, and it's tea, not dinner, from now on. You don't seem interested in cooking, and without full-time help in the house we have to make things easier to manage. Cecily drifted over to the table and sat down with an aggrieved sigh. It's the fault of the government for letting women do men's jobs. I believe some former maids are earning quite scandalously large wages in munitions factories. Two or three times what I used to pay mine. Good for them. How else can the government get the necessary jobs done with so many men away at war? And why should they be paid less than a man? But Cecily was pouring herself a cup of tea and didn't answer that question. Her soft, whispery voice meandered on between mouthfuls about the shocking price of coal and the lack of some of her favourite foods in the shops. Shipping's being bombed, so some food doesn't get through to Britain, Olivia protested at one point in exasperation. But it's still not right to have so many shortages. The government should do something about it. Olivia concentrated on her own meal, eating twice as much food as her cousin. She nodded her head from time to time as if she was listening and agreeing, which seemed to satisfy Cecily. She'd go to bed early and read, she decided. At least Donald had plenty of books in the house. He favoured tales of adventure and heroic deeds, tales for men, but they were more fun to read than the books his wife favoured. Cecily read magazines and silly tales about ordinary girls falling in love with princes and dukes, as if that could ever happen. Cecily regularly re-read the four books she owned by a lady called Ethel M. Dell, She had several times expressed a fervent hope that the war wouldn't stop that author writing more of these wonderful stories. Olivia had tried one out of curiosity, and it was certainly full of passion and love, but also contained a surprising amount of violence. Having known true love with Charles, she didn't find the emotions described in the stories at all realistic. She said that to the vicar's wife one day, and Mrs. Simmons had agreed with her, saying disapprovingly that the books were rather racy, and she was surprised Captain Balaam allowed his wife to read them. Donald would never notice what his wife was reading. Olivia realised Cecily had finished her meal and was looking questioningly across the table. Sorry, I was thinking about something. What did you say? Shall we clear the table and do the washing up now? What else would you do after a meal, she wondered, yet Cecily asked the same thing every evening. It was two long hours before Olivia could escape to her bedroom. Even knitting socks for the troops didn't help the evening pass more quickly. She'd never been fond of knitting. She and Charles had talked. Oh, how they'd talked.
This way of life definitely couldn't continue, or she'd go mad with boredom. The following day, Olivia was glad to get away for a few hours. She'd taken on a temporary job helping out in the village shop, and it was a lifesaver in many ways. Not because she was desperate to earn money, though she didn't mind adding the extra to her savings, but because it got her out of the house and away from Cecily for several hours. She was sure she now knew more people from the village than they did, even though the Ballams had lived there for four years, ever since their marriage. Well, Donald would consider it beneath him to chat to common people. He was such a dreadful snob. She didn't know where he got it from. None of their parents had had that attitude to the world. As she was putting on her outdoor things, she decided her life couldn't go on like this indefinitely. She'd stay until after Christmas, because she couldn't leave Mrs Cummings at the shop in the lurch at this busy time. After that, she'd look for something more worthwhile to do with her life.